Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. And so sorry for the long break. Work got in the way. Sometimes mm-hmm. that happened. But Chris, during our break, you were what were you up to? What has life been like out there in, in Phoenix? I know your sons went down in a blaze of glory, but how are things been going Basically. for you out in Phoenix? blaze of glory oh man it's been uh it's been getting hot it's roughly 98 degrees at 7 43 a.m today um wow. we are i mean the suns went down i don't want to say blaze of glory there has been discussion of uh foul play amongst the suns loyal here at the office the what do you mean discussion, foul play? they may have thrown the game there's been a a couple of reports that have gone up to the doj a couple generated by the bookmakers in Vegas that the Suns lost so horribly and they blew the line so bad that there had to be something else involved. There you um, go. And some That's... fans are trying to say that there's no way they could have sucked that bad. There, <laughs> there's some fans that are saying that Luka is not that good. And there's some people that are just, you know, it is what it is. We're Phoenix. We're just going to lose every playoffs, and that's just where we're going to stick. So it's it's an interesting wow. climate out here. But as a Warriors fan, I'm buying everybody gold-blooded T-shirts. We're rooting for Steph and for Clay and for Draymond. And we're, we're, we're taking this to the wheels fall off. Talk about not accepting reality. Oh, my team lost in the playoffs. It must be some nefarious actor right. out there because it couldn't just be that we suck. Hey, you Sucked. know what? Uh, DOJ, no. stop investigating that. I want to know why my Chiefs lost at Cincinnati in the second right. half in the uh, AFC Championship game in football. That's where the real crime occurred. No, right. you just got to deal with it. You got to move on. You lose. We, we have a lot of NBA to talk about during our courtroom quarterback section at the end of this podcast because we have a lot to uncover i have a lot of thoughts oh, on the sure. nba and we are going to conclude with who it should be on the nba's mount rushmore uh, have you been to mount rushmore and seen the four presidents I have not. I have not made a pilgrimage to that land yet. You've got to go there and see Mount Rushmore. It is an amazing sight. I went there this last year again. Oh. But I've been I've been there before and several times. And the one time I went there, they actually have a museum in, in there where you can go in there. You can kind of look around before you go out there and see the, the four presidents. And I was there in the museum, and they have this video that is playing. So I watched this video. It talks about how, you know, the, the mountain was, the, the Mount Rushmore was made. It talks about the rules and decorum on, on seeing the site and things like that. And I thought this one particular thing was very interesting. They said in this video, okay, as you are walking around the ground, they will be passed. Make sure you do not stray from the path. If you step off the path and you walk onto the ground, you might be forever altering the ecosystem and we do not want to damage the environment in that way. And I'm going, "Uh, uh, uh, really? You 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 blasted off the face of a mountain with a dynamite, <laughs> and you think I'm stepping off the path that's going to alter the ecosystem forever? Give me a freaking break! But nonetheless, uh, hey, it is an amazing sight. That's what it is. You and I are going to talk about our NBA Mount Rushmore and see how our four line up with each other. I have a feeling we're going to be there's going to be a lot of agreement. But first, yep. we need to talk about the Supreme Court, because we have been gone now for about four weeks because, well, work happens. I had a couple of uh, motions that were due, and you were out working as well. It happens to the best of us. Got to pay the bills. 
But the Supreme Court was still in session. A lot, a lot happened over these last four weeks. But here's what's going on. The Supreme Court is entering June. At the end of June, the Supreme Court breaks for their summer recess, their, their, their summer right. vacation. They're going to go, go to Florida where everyone over the age of 70 must go by law. And, and so they're about ready to hit their, their summer break. Before they go out, they release all of their opinions. And Chris, yeah. I think by them doing this, it's a little bit like sweep season during t the, the, the TV watching series. Now, do you remember what I'm talking about? I know you're a lot younger than I am. Do you know what, do you know what I'm referring to when I say sweeps season? Yeah, that's when they uh it's when the ratings are this when the ratings are the best, which is usually about this time because kids are out of school, parents are home, all that jazz. School sports are usually done. So this is when most people are sitting in front of the old uh television and watching. So they're trying to get as many viewers as they possibly can to their show. They do crazy things on, on their Absolutely shows. Absolutely I think the shark season tank, finales, all of that yes. stuff. Yeah, I was it during. I don't know if you're a Friends fan, but I think it was. Hey, is is uh, Ross and Rachel? Are they gonna get together? Is Rachel pregnant? That came oh, yeah. out. You all these cliffhangers there. Well, the Supreme Court. This is their sweeps season, and so there are some cases yet to be decided. Some really big cases that are out there, and right. so let's just unpack the cases that are left to be decided. The ones that are gonna grab everyone's attention. Why don't we start off with the. Big one, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now, while we were off and you're out gallivanting around New Orleans, eating all the great food and partaking in the New Orleans experience, uh, there was a major, major ordeal at the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, Chris, I am I don't want to make light of this because this is huge. But these nine people like to give out this image that they are a cohesive unit. They care about the institution. They are yeah. they are adjudicating cases. There was a major, major break of decorum and rules at the U.S. Supreme Court because there was a leak of a draft opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. And this is right. not some minor opinion that was leaked. Right. This was the big one. This was the opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, I have so many different thoughts on this leak, but Chris, I'm going to give you the floor first. What were your thoughts when you first heard about this leak? I mean, I'm not surprised. I, well, I'm not surprised about the content of the opinion. Um, I think it's been very clear over the last it, 30 years that since Roe has been decided that this is the direction that a conservative court has been going to. So the actual overturning of Roe v. Wade didn't shock me. The leak um, is very shocking because we haven't had that in modern legal history. We don't usually they keep usually the first opinion is probably the most extreme and then they get the other justices together and they kind of pound like they refine it down to less of pie in the sky extreme actions and you know having someone or something and i have i have multiple theories right i think alito may have leaked it to put pressure on the court i think briar might have leaked it because he's done and he's like you know this is how we're going to roll uh maybe a disenfranchised no, new law i can't clerk. go there you you actually like, think a justice leaked the opinion oh, yes. i'm oh, maybe yes. a clerk but you actually think a justice might have leaked think, the opinion i think a justice leaked the opinion i full on believe that a justice leaked the opinion Wow. All right. Hey, that's a very interesting hot take. I wonder if we'll ever get the, to the bottom of it. But right out of the nope. gate, 
you were drawn into the leak itself. Why did the leak happen? I want to just posit a couple of theories out there. And I, I won't even say theory. I want to give it a predicate matter. Two cases I want to bring to your attention. One was Planned Parenthood v. Casey. This is a 1992 decision. Right. Rumor has it this decision was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, Chief Justice William Rehnquist was writing the majority opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. Rumor has it that on the eve of this decision coming out, Justice Anthony, uh, Kennedy changed decisions, changed the sizes, yep. switched from the Flipped majority it. to the dissent. So the dissent became the majority. He then authored the majority opinion, which upheld Roe v. Wade. That was in 1992. The point there is sometimes justices switch sides at the last minute. All right, go to 2012. Another case, the Affordable Care Act case, also known as the Unaffordable Care Act case, the Obamacare case. This was the mm -hmm. issue of whether or not Obamacare is it an unconstitutional mandate requiring everyone to obtain insurance, or is it just simply a tax? Well, again, rumor has it that that uh, rumor had it that um, Chief Justice John Roberts switched sides at the last minute, and so then uh, he he upheld the Affordable Care Act. Again, this just shows you that until the decisions are actually released. There's jockeying for position. There, there's right. movement. Was this leak done to somehow uh, lock these justices into their opinion to stop that jockeying? Or was this leak done to, to maybe put pressure on Congress uh, to do something about it so that this decision doesn't actually come to be? Well, what does your gut tell you? Actually, both. I, I honestly think that whoever leaked it was... I guess for me, it depends on who's the leak. Who's the who's the leak who put it out? Because I think that's what their attention is going to be. I don't think Congress is going to do anything. Congress doesn't do anything. And anybody right. who believes the contrary has not been paying attention to American politics for the last 22 and a half years. Congress doesn't do anything. They, they, so, first of all, let's just stop right there. They can't do anything. There's a lot of rumor. That, oh, Congress might do something about this. No. Nope. First of all, they're not going to pack the court. We already know they don't have the votes for that. They also can't pass a national abortion law. No, this Supreme right. Court would strike that down within Quickly. five minutes. Right. They're, saying that they're, they're saying we want to give this to the states. If that's what they're saying, we want to give this to the states, it's not a federal issue then. And so right. I don't see this court allowing this Congress to do anything about it. Nothing. Absol honestly, absolutely nothing. Congress. So I don't think the leak was there to put any sort of pressure on Congress because, again, Congress. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to gather my thoughts right now. Congress is the most useless body that the American people have. I don't most think that's a hot take. I think I'll, I'll grant you that <laughs> one. Um, it, every two years, these individuals in the House have to rerun. When I was working in politics, which was my career before academia, it cost $25,000 a week in fundraising to run a successful campaign for re-election for Congress in a plus 12 blue district. So for wow. those at home, plus 12 means anything over 50% is considered the plus area. 50% is zero. So if it's 50 red, 50 blue, a plus 12 means that it is a 62% favorable to Democrats. Okay. So in a plus 12 district, you still had to raise $25,000 a week to, to keep your seat. Wow. That's so, a lot of fundraising. That's a t that, And that's all you can do. That is literally all you can do is fundraise. So don't 
don't come at me with Congress is going to pass laws or Congress is going to make changes. Not happening. But Not happening. Do you, but do you think, though, this leak was done to put pressure on the justices themselves? Yes. Now, the majority opinion out there, uh, sorry for the bad puns, we're talking about a majority opinion, but right. the, the, what most people are saying is that this was probably leaked by a clerk for a liberal justice wanting to put women on notice saying, hey, look, your right to abortion is about to be taken away. Do what you can to protect yourself. There's, that is, I think, the prevailing thought as to why. But there's also a thought out there this was done to somehow threaten the lives of the justices to force their hand to pressure them into changing their vote. If that's the case, if this was done to pressure the justices themselves, how is this not a crime? How is this not an illegal act? This, how is this not obstruction of justice? Uh, wow, I don't know if I would go as far as obstruction of justice. I would think that if it was – if the leak was done – to pressure the justices, there could be an argument made for extortion or even maybe assault, you know, threat of force upon their bodies. Um, right. I don't I don't know if I would go with the obstruction route. But if a if a clerk leaked this in the hopes that the lives of the conservative justices would be threatened, which if they you were, can, if you can make. If you can make the intentional argument, I intentionally leaked this so that way the justices would be threatened, you can make a case for assault. I don't see how that you could not make that case. I mean, come on. The Pelican Brief now has been out there for, what, 20 years. I love that mm -hmm. movie uh, with Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. People have seen the Pelican Brief. They know what's at stake here. And well, then, I don't see how you can close your eyes to that. The first I, maybe you could by, do a negligence claim. I don't because assault is an intentional act. You have to have the intent to do that. If their intent was to or reckless the, disregard, right? But it may not. I don't know if it reaches the level of reckless disregard. It may. It may be negligence. It may, you may get it through that, but these justices had to go into hiding. They, they because of the threat on their lives. I don't think that you're. I I, I kind of agree with you. I'm just kind of playing devil's right. advocate here. I don't right. think that that was their motivation. I think probably their motivation was more of let's let the public know what's coming down so they right. can make their decisions now. Uh, but midterm elections, all that jazz. The, the leak was a huge deal, and it's fractured this court. I've read several articles where people are saying, well, this used to be a close body of nine justices. They're not so sure anymore. Just look at this last year where the Chief Justice John Roberts basically asked the justices, hey, let's mask up. We got Sonia Sotomayor out there, so let's mask right. up to protect everyone. Well, one justice, Justice G, um, was showed up on a, in live court without a mask on. And now I know now they're backtracking that Robert said I never ordered that. So there's a little bit of discrepancy there. He did. But there's enough rumor to think, well, are, are these nine really, are they still a cohesive collegial family? I'm not so sure of that anymore. And these might be nine justices that can't stand each other. And right. what does that say about this court? Well, I, I think back to the Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Anthony Scalia, Yes. Friendship, right? Scalia would have worn a mask to protect the health of Ruth Bader Ginsburg because he loved her that much. Right. I agree. I, I, and, and, I, and I think back to like, um, you know, Rehnquist and um, who, I can't think of the name right now. It's, it's escaping me. But they were good friends on the court as well that they were opposite opinions. Um, Whoa, uh, Rehnquist. 
Well, all right. You do know that his, um, I don't know if you want to call him girlfriend, was Sandra Day O'Connor back in law yes. school. You yes. can't forget O'Connor's name. You work in the, her law school. Her, but the, it wasn't right them down. on the court. It wasn't them on the court. It was Rinquist. And I want to say it was, was it, it wasn't Marsh. No. Okay. I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, no, but yeah, Rinquist and O'Connor were, were alleged, alleged familiars <laughs> right, during their right. law school like days. Like I said that. Um, but, I don't think it's there. I really don't. I don't think that they've developed that that cordial relationship or even friendships. I don't think – whereas Scalia and Ginsburg would have dinners on Sundays. I don't think that Kavanaugh and Sotomayor are enjoying each other's company. I don't think that Gorsuch and Sotomayor or Keegan – I'm pretty sure uh, Kavanaugh and incoming Justice um, Brown are not going to be – at each other's bar mitzvahs. I'm 100% sure of that. I will say from my perspective, I really don't think wearing a mask means anything. I really don't. I believe that uh, I know that everyone has their own opinions and we're not doctors, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, I believed in social distancing, which is what I tried to do. People never want to get around me anyways, right. but still I would wear a mask. Why would I wear a mask in public? I don't want someone else being uncomfortable around right. me and I, I i didn't actually think it meant anything but i don't want that other person to be uncomfortable around me so i wore a mask just to avoid that unpleasantness i i, I don't want to um uh, if you think i am hurting you by what i'm doing then i don't want to do that because i don't want you to have those negative thoughts about me but nonetheless at this court yeah, it's, is it a fractured court? Well, we have the leak. I don't know if we're ever going to find out who did the leak, but the opinion right. itself, Dawes v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, might this case be the case that overturns Roe v. Wade? I did not see this coming. I really thought the court was going to take the easy ground uh, and just basically say, look, we are going to say there is a right to privacy in the Constitution. We are going to say that there is a state has a right to protect a fetal life. It's a balancing test. And here at the 15-week mark, we are going to say the state has, has done all it has to do to, to protect its interest here in the woman's privacy interest at the 15-week mark does not supersede the state's interest in protecting fetal life. I thought the court was going to take that approach. Were you shocked to read this by Alito saying, nope, we're not going to take the incremental approach. We're not going to take the middle ground. We're going to blow up Roe v. Wade. No, absolutely not. I knew the minute that Amy Comey Barrett was nominated for the Supreme Court, that's exactly what was going to happen. Wow. That, I did that, not see I did not see this. Oh, even even during their testimonies, even during Kavanaugh's testimony and during Gorsuch's testimony and Comey Barrett's testimony, where they're like, oh yeah, we're not gonna do that. No, that's exactly what you were put there for. And I'm not I'm not I'm not angry about it. Like people are like, no, they do that. That's why they were put there. That is why that those judges when Donald Trump was president, he defaulted a lot of his judicial picks to the Federalist Society. Good, bad, right. or whatever. He, right. That's where he defaulted his judicial picks to. If you I, know did not any, get, I did not get a call, though. I will just put that on the record. Not. I did not get a call. They should have. They should have called you, Joel. <laughs> I'm know. really feeling that. I mean, hey, that's actually, how I feel my, because Biden didn't call me for this Supreme Court position. Like, I will say, we're just left out. 
I will say this. My study partner in law school, the one who came over to my duplex and we studied for final exams in law school together, we shared each other's outlines. Mm -hmm. Okay, to be fair, I, I borrowed his outline. His, he had an amazing outline. He actually was on that short list of 25 names to be the next Supreme Court justice. Wow. So I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? I should have somehow, I don't know. I should have paid right. more attention. He was an amazing uh, student there and then apparently also a an amazing judge because he's on the, the fast track to being on the awesome. Supreme Court. But awesome. nonetheless, uh, yeah, this is, um, I did not see this coming. I mean, let's just throw out there some names. Let's throw out there O'Connor. People thought, mm -hmm. well, she might be conservative. She was more liberal than what people expected. Kennedy definitely yep. thought he was going to be more conservative than what he was, especially yep. on the right to life issue, being a great Roman Catholic. Uh, Roberts, we thought, we thought Roberts was a great conservative. And then it came up with the uh, ACA opinion and really kind of, you know, crushed the, the conservatives' hearts. And so the conservatives are used to nominees, once they get on the bench, taking the, the moderate approach, the, the middle ground. So we expected that. Well, you and, know who was the best person at that that we have not mentioned? Who? Earl Warren. All right, Earl Warren. Right? He was the Republican governor of California. He was right. threatening Eisenhower for the presidency. Eisenhower was so freaked out because he was so popular that he put Earl Warren as the chief justice of the Supreme Court, thinking that conservative values would be upheld. And okay. the very first case was Brown v. Board of Education. Right. Now, he was put on there because they knew he was going to possibly get a, 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 a unanimous decision uh, uh, ruling you know, the Brown v. Board of Education. So, yeah, that's interesting, though, that he was put on the, the, the court there as a Republican, thinking that this is the best way to have this decision being rendered and accepted by the public. But, yeah, I, I see what you're, you're saying on that. All right. Yeah. So that's Dodds v. Jackson Women's Health. How this is going to come out, we don't know. We have our thoughts that because of the leaked opinion – Trust me, there's some jockeying going on right now. Until that decision is released, we won't know right. which way this case uh, comes out. All right. But, uh, next case that's huge before the U.S. Supreme Court right now, yet to be decided, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. This Ooh. case deals with the Second Amendment. The reason why I find this case interesting, well, for a lot of different reasons, but Will the court consider what just happened in the United States just this week with that horrific shooting where when you heard about that shooting, you were probably brought to tears or you were choked up or you were enraged yeah. in enraged. anger, yeah. thinking how can this happen in America where someone could go into a a school and kill 18 kids? It's just horrific. Will the court Look at that. Will it impact their decision? I don't know because I can see the court maybe going either way based upon that information. I can see the court saying we need to arm more people. That's how you prevent this from happening. I can see the court going the other direction uh, and maybe creating some precedent that might allow for these things to be avoided in the future. I don't know. But first of all, let's just unpack what this case is actually about. New York has this law. It's been on the books for over 100 years. That says if you want to apply for a concealed carry permit to carry a gun and you want it for self-defense, you have to prove to the government official that you actually need it for self-defense. In other words, you are in a dangerous zone. You're in a situation where you actually might need a gun to defend yourself. You got to prove the need for self-defense. You just can't simply say, I want a gun for self-defense. The issue is, is that constitutional under the Second Amendment? What, what are your thoughts? 
Man, my thoughts changed a lot after yesterday. Um, where to start? The the Second Amendment, right? The nitty-gritty of the Second Amendment, right? A well-regulated militia being necessary for the free state, the right of an individual to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It is a difficult amendment to process, right? Because the first sentence, it says, the need of a well-regulated militia, right to bear arms, shall not be infringed. So what's a well-regulated militia? What What is a militia? What is regulated? What shouldn't be infringed? Should a militia not be infringed? If a militia is regulated, is that infringing on your right to Second Amendment? Where 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 are we at with this? And the court has to tackle all those issues. Well, Do I think— in- on top of all that you just said, there's also in the Second Amendment a person. It says personal right, and I know Paul Clement right. when he argued this the first time back in the District of Columbia v. Heller case in 2008, right. really emphasized that hey, there very few times in the Constitution does it say a personal right. And so, yeah, more to your point, how do you process all of those various factors? as it existed in 1789, and then as it should be applied in 2022. Now, Chris, I know what just happened this week. It's horrific. Does the court also look across the pond over to Ukraine and say, well, wait a second, let's look what happened in Ukraine. You have another force, uh, Russia, invading a country. How is this country defending itself? they got to arm the citizenry. If, if you had to arm the citizenry, would that not at least cause Russia to think twice. Now, we know there are nuclear bombs out there, and they can bomb anyone to smithereens. But Russia doesn't want to do that because they want to invade this country and take it over. So does that play in to how the court might rule? No. I think comparing the United States to Ukraine on arming people, I think, is a kind of an uh, a too attenuated um, observation. If Ukraine had the same military power force that the United States had, uh, Russia would never invade it. That's why okay. Russia doesn't invade the United States. I don't think, I think in Ukraine specifically, having an armed citizenry would have helped. Does that correlate over to the United States having an armed citizenry? Not at all. We are number one for military defense spending and we spend more money than the bottom 25, the next 25. Uh, countries combined who happen to be our allies. Right. So I, I think that I, I, I think and and if you take all the populations of like England and Germany and France and most of the Western European states plus Australia, you have roughly the same population as the United States with less than a percentage of the same amount of gun related deaths. Right, right. And so I think this is a a very uniquely American problem, and I don't think anybody would argue that, that it's a very uniquely American problem that we're shooting up schools or grocery stores or churches or these areas. And so do I think the Supreme Court's going to weigh that when it comes to this specific law? No, I don't think at all, because they are looking at the specific law of New York and how that affects New Yorkers and whether or not the New Yorkers right to keep and bear arms has been infringed. Here's- is this going to kick off multiple other states passing laws like this when the Supreme Court comes out and says that law is unconstitutional? Yes, it is. And that puts us in a very different position for the Supreme Court later on. Here's what I don't like about this whole Second Amendment argument. I think that, uh, and you see this, you saw this in the right to life issue as well. You see both sides just kind of like get their feathers ruffled and they they go to their corners and there is no compromise. Let's look at the gun, uh, the gun lobby, right? They mm-hmm. won't budge even an inch because they are afraid if they budge even an inch, the elephant's going to be in the room and they're going to lose all kinds of rights. 
why does it have to be that way? Why can't we just have no. reasonable common sense, gun restrictions and gun regulations, and also at the same time, keep our personal right to keep and bear arms. I don't see why we can't have both in our country. You don't have to oppose every single common sense gun regulation. Let me give you an example, a waiting list. I have no problem with a waiting list. Now, I don't have guns. I, I've never mm -hmm. owned a gun in my life. My parents have never owned a, a gun. We're conservatives, but yet it's just not something that we've ever done. <laughs> I Maybe I'm more afraid that if I, have, if I had a gun in my house, it'd be used to kill an innocent person, a family member. Right. So we just don't have guns. I actually had a snake in my house yesterday. I let the snake go outside. I just don't like to kill things, right? That's just I, not I, this is what I love about you, Joel, because I am very liberal and I own guns. I have right, several. See? I have there guns in go. my house. I have guns in my camp, my camp trailer. I have guns. Right. Why can't we tell people before they buy a gun, you got to wait a week. And, and you know what? If you have a criminal record, you're not getting a gun. If you have mental health issues of some sort, you're not getting it. Why can't we have common sense gun regulations? And that way still the citizenry will still be arms. All the fears that you have I guess you still are going to have self-defense, but still, even in that situation, if you have, if you're on the fringe, I don't know why we can't have common sense gun regulations. I can tell you why. I know exactly why. It makes I'm no waiting. money. Makes okay. no money. Do you know how many emails I got yesterday and today asking for me to donate to help pass gun control now? Good Do you know point. how many emails my friends got from the NRA saying the liberals are trying to take our guns away? Donate money now. Right. You're right. You're right. right. Wow. It makes no – you can't get elected on common sense gun laws. Again, no, going you, back to the – you have to raise at least $25,000 every week to stay in the House of Representatives. You cannot make money by saying let's compromise. Let's I, find common sense ways. And until we get – and this is this is going to be my one political grandstand right now, and I'm letting the, viewer, the, right. the listeners know. Until we get – private and dark money out of politics and put a cap on how much people can spend in political races, you will see politicians be bought and sold on the open market. There you go. I, I think you've nailed it on the head. You actually have been involved in politics. Here's my take on where I, when I really became disillusioned with politics, when I realized this, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a right to life person. I yep. do value life and yes. uh, I've been consistent with that. I'm opposed to the death penalty pretty much up and down the board. I am, I, I consider myself uh, pro-life, but the, and I would vote, I'd vote for candidates who are pro-life. Here's the problem. I then realized, I asked myself, well, hold on, we have a conservative in the White House, we have conservative Congress, conservative legislator, conservative mm -hmm. Supreme Court. How come nothing is being done? And then I realized this, oh, they don't want anything to be done. They like it that they have these laws that are anti-life because that's what they use as a wedge issue. What do I mean by wedge issue? It distinguishes this candidate from that candidate. Therefore, Joel, give us your money and give us your vote. They like having that wedge issue. They don't want to yes. fix it. They want to always have that wedge issue. And yes. worse yet, if they did something about it, like let's just, they passed a law restricting, uh, protecting life, that's going to uh, energize their opponents. So it's even a worse situation. They lose the wedge issue, they lose my money, and they galvanize the other side. So the politicians I was, I was voting on to fix the issue were incentivized to not fix the issue. That's when I became disillusioned and said, you know what, I'm following football. 
Well, but, even then, there's wedge issues in football. But it was a, it was a fumble. Even Tom Brady came out on TikTok and said it was a fumble against the Raiders. So uh, whatever, you're, you're wedge right. issues. All right, so moving on. One more case here during this Supreme Court sweep season. I just want to throw out there to follow Carson v. Macon. This case yep. deals with Maine's rule barring use of student aid uh, programs for schools that teach sectarian religious content. So what's going on there in Maine? They have some rural areas where they'll have some schools where they're really – there is no adequate public school because of the population right. and the, the size and the density and things like that. And so basically state money can go towards students who are enrolled in a private religious school. If you have that scenario, does that violate the establishment clause or worse or, or another way to put it? If mm -hmm. a local school district says, no, you cannot use this money for a religious school Will that violate the Establishment Clause? So let's pay attention to that. That case will be coming down. It obviously deals with religious freedom, and we'll see how. I would I would be shocked if this conservative court, and on this issue, it's 6-3 conservative. I actually yeah. would be expecting a decision uh, saying that, yeah, the, the prohibiting religious organizations from or, or students from using this money to go to a religious school violates the Establishment Clause. But, hey, I have been surprised and shocked before. <laughs> All right, one other case before we get into the good stuff. When I say the good stuff, the NBA. Uh, right. Shin V. Ramirez and Jones. This is the case the Supreme Court dealt with just this last week. Issued an opinion. This is an interesting case. What happened in Shin V. Ramirez and Jones is... Well, let's back up here. Back in about 2012, I think, several years ago, the Supreme mm -hmm. Court issued a decision in Martinez v. Ryan that said... That you have a right, if you are a, a if you are convicted in a state court proceeding, you have a right to raise in federal court in a habeas petition, a habeas proceeding, right. ineffective assistance of counsel. In other words, under the Sixth Amendment, you have a right to have uh, a, you know effective counsel. Effective. In your case, if you have a crappy lawyer, in other words, if you do not hire myself or Chris, you, you might have a crappy lawyer. You have a right to <laughs> that is a Sixth Amendment argument, right to effective counsel. All right, so you can raise that in a federal proceeding. Here's the problem, Chris. There is a federal law called the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996. Now, in this act, it prohibits you, if you are a, if you had a state court criminal proceeding, it prohibits you from uh, having an evidentiary hearing in federal court based upon claims that were not made or preserved in the state court proceeding. Right. Well, Chris, that's a problem here because if, you, if the claim you're raising is I had a crappy lawyer, then how would that lawyer raise that issue and have an evidentiary basis for it at the state court level? But that's the problem. You had a crappy lawyer. It wasn't raised. And so is this really darned if you do, darned if you don't? How can you really bring a, an effect, a real Sixth Amendment claim in a federal proceeding or based upon ineffective assistance of counsel, when you had to have first raised that proceeding at the trial court level in state I, court, Chris, I don't even understand this. I I don't I don't get it because again, you don't have if if you win, right? If you win, you get an acquittal. You had an effective counsel, right? right? Or the DA was ineffective. Pick your poison. If you lose, no matter if you had effective, ineffective, effective, if you had counsel or not, that is always the first appeal. Ineffective assistance of counsel. It's the easiest one to knock out. Um, so as a defense attorney, I would be like, in my closing arguments, for the record, and if you don't vote to acquit, I would like to point out that I was a really ineffective counselor. 
and I'd like to preserve this issue for my client right, on appeal. Right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Go to deliberations. Exactly. I, I don't understand the, this holding. Now, in this case, this is what the facts allegedly showed, is mm-hmm. that if you um, – uh, normally, when, a, when you have ineffective assistance counsel at a trial court, what that really means is your lawyer did not do his or her job. He was sleeping right. at the wheel, did not do a proper investigation, just kind of mailed it in, showed up in court, and then ran with whatever arguments he had. He didn't do a proper investigation. That's usually where the lawyer messed up, did not investigate these claims. So here at the, at the federal level, they presented this evidence that said, no, look, if the lawyer had done his job, he would have found mm-hmm. this evidence that, here it is, that shows you the person who died did not die from the injuries caused by this person. It, it couldn't have been. It had to have been from some other source. In other words, this person was not guilty of the crime charge. So that's what we're talking about here. Evidence that would have shown this person could not have committed the crime. That's a big deal to me. I got to tell you, I, I don't know who said it. One famous founding father said, I would rather, you know, one, um, what, innocent or one guilty person be let go than a thousand people, innocent people convicted. Maybe I got those stats next. Other way around. Exactly. You get a the thousand point guilty there. people go free if for one before one innocent person gets convicted. I think it was Ben Thank Franklin. You. Thank you so much for that. Here, the court is basically saying we disagree nope. with that. No, disagree. you got to You got to have law and order. You, you. It's better for society to throw away these people, lock the key. Yeah, one innocent person might have to spend his life in jail or get the death penalty. Whatever. That's the price of having an orderly society. So again, I am kind of losing my conservative card. Trust me, I am a conservative. But Chris, <laughs> I have a problem with this case because the court said you can't bring this this evidentiary basis in federal court. Do you have any thoughts before we move on to the NBA? Right. I. You have the the right to an effective assistance of counsel. We have ethical duties as lawyers to be competent. We have all of these things set up to protect individuals from a court system. The idea of a constitution was to protect us against tyranny, right? Whether that's one king uh, 3,000 miles away or 3,000 kings one mile away, right? At, At this point, and it's a no, it's 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 not a foundational thing. We're not changing the aspects of the Sixth Amendment. We're not reading too much into it. This is founders' intent, right? Effective assistance of counsel. And where else are you going to raise it? Where else than on appeal after you've been harmed? You can't right. raise you can't raise the defense before you're harmed. And I'm sorry, defendants aren't normally the the Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking crowd. So how do they know that their lawyers be ineffective until they're convicted? Here's what you'd have to do. So you're basically at the state court level. You would have to get a new lawyer on appeal. And then that new lawyer would have to say, hey, the trial court lawyer did a horrible job, was ineffective uh, in, in his prece- in his representation. And so maybe get the state court system to overturn, order a new trial. That's probably what these, these defendants are going to have to do. So basically you don't have federal habeas relief available to you. You need to raise that issue at the, um, in the state court level. Again, I have a problem with this. If you, if this is a constitutional right. And if you can show evidence that this person uh, was wrongfully convicted because the lawyer did a horrible job. I don't know. I guess I guess I want that information out there. All right. It is now time for our courtroom quarterback segment. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, maybe we actually should change this to courtroom, point guard, a segment, because we're going to talk about the NBA. We are in the middle of the NBA playoffs, and I am excited about these playoffs. I don't know why. I have not followed basketball that closely for the last couple of years, but now all of a sudden, I am digging these playoffs, and so I have a lot of different takes on these playoffs. But, Chris, let me just start off by asking you this question. Yes. Do you think the referees are out of control? Yes. I always think the referees are out of control. I mean, it's almost as if they have egos, and they are jealous of the players, and they want their name to be in the highlight. I am thinking of one particular play. Maybe you saw it. My boy, Andrew Wiggins, who plays for your Golden State Warriors, um, was sizing up Luka Doncic, and he realized, I can take Luka to the hoop. And so he made a move to the left, cut towards the hoop, soared higher than Spider-Man. I don't know. He was way yep. up in the rafters. He came down with a thunderous dunk. I yep. was watching this live. My son was watching this live. We both screamed as an automatic response. It was that impressive of a play. So it, awesome. I have no idea what dope means. I'm going to give you benefit of the doubt and say, yes, it was dope. Hey, look that up. I'm, I'm sure it's a cool thing, right? Yes. He went flying. Through, oh, he was on Dr. J flying through the sky, slamming it. It was an amazing moment. Mm-hmm. And then there was a whistle. Well, hold hold on. Okay, there's a whistle because obviously there's a blocking foul on Luka Doncic. I get that. That makes sense. No. The nope. referee immediately put his hand behind his head and called a charge. charge. I'm going, what? Now, Chris, let's just stop right here. Yep. If there was a charge, you don't call it. That was such an impressive academic feat. You don't make that call. So let's just assume there. Well, I've seen I've seen another dunk. I think it was John Morant who actually jumped over a guy. His crotch area hit the guy in the face. He jumped that high. Yeah, technically that's a charge. You don't call it. If a guy jumps that high, you let it be and you count the dunk. Right? You even well, if that word charge, you do not call it. Luca's the MVP. We got to make sure that he's protected. I don't know. It, 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 you would never have blown your whistle. But then nope. they did a replay. And when you watch the replay, you go, hold on a second there. There's no charge. In fact, there's no real contact. Oh, there might have been nope. a brush. But Andrew right. did such a good job of sliding to the left. There was no push off with his arm. There was nothing. It was as clean of a play as possible. Right. Why did the ref find it necessary in this very impressive, very clean play to say, I want to interject myself and blow a whistle so the whole world can see what a great ref I am. I call yep. a charge. Chris, That's I right. don't know. Call, call me I down. Be co- I want to be connected to this iconic moment. Wow. I cannot believe he called that. Now, luckily, the NBA changed their rules a few years ago to allow teams to challenge a bad call. I think NBA teams both get one per game. I'm not sure on that, but I think they get one per game. They, luckily here, Golden State had not used that challenge yet. They challenged it, and they went to commercial break. They came back, and they said, yep, the dunk is good. Thank goodness, because the next day, I watched all these different you know, sports news stations. I watched Fox News 1. I watched ESPN Sports Center. I watched ESPN, um, uh, whatever it's called. Their other show they have at 7 o'clock yeah. in the morning. It's escaping me right now. They all talked about this play. What an amazing play. It was the number one play of the day. Now, how close was it to not actually happening? But nonetheless, I think the rest are out of control. A- any thoughts? No, I 
I, you see this because you see the rise of the instant replay rule. Why do we have the rise of the instant replay rule? Well, refs are getting it wrong so often and blowing calls so much that the leagues have to level the playing field because of their absolute incompetence. And we can have the discussion about Angel Hernandez in baseball and how he is the worst umpire known to man. Okay. Um, But you're seeing this more. Well, and you're also seeing more and more players. Players are seeing that refs are calling it more and more, so players are over-exaggerating more and more fouls. So it's a, oh, cic- it's a cyclical. It's a very cyclical experience. If the if we give the refs a reason to call, then they're going to call. So let me over-exaggerate this push-off and now, call Luca and see what happens. Now, Luca did jerk his head as if he was doing a flop, but it's also possible yeah. he was trying to get out of the way, realizing he's being posterized. So right. there might have been that as well. Luckily, I'm going to say for basketball, and I'm going to say luckily for this ref, there was instant replay, so he did not have to right. go down as blowing that call, and right. it was corrected, and uh, Golden State won that. So, by yeah. the way, I believe it was right after that play, uh, Draymond Green of Golden State then went to that ref, who Draymond also had issues, because earlier mm-hmm. in the game, in a play where the re- that same ref called over and back on a play in which replay clearly showed there was no over and back. No, yeah. <laughs> the ball never went there. Uh, it, was a, it was actually a good, I, I'm going to say yard, maybe a foot, whatever. Uh, before it ever crossed the line, the ref was out of place to even make that call. And so Draymond Green went to that same ref and said, dude, it's not about you. It's just, I'm sure right. Draymond Green enjoyed that dig. But nonetheless, luckily that that cr- call was corrected. All right. I want to now go to another, my topic number two, topic which number two. is the MVP. Uh, you know, the most yeah. valuable player. This is an mm-hmm. award giving given. It, we're talking about the NBA now. It's also, I'm sure it applies to football and baseball, but particularly the NBA, this, this award is given based upon players performance during the regular season. Now, Chris, my take is going to be, this is a joke. This is a, um, um, this is not, they do not measure actual value a player brings. They have the unduly way gaudy stats. And sometimes I'm going to suggest gaudy stats is it represents the antithesis of the most valued player. It represents the most greedy player. Now here's why I'm saying that this year, during the MVP voting, do you know who the top four uh, vote getters were? And I, I don't actually, want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to see I, if you can name them. Uh, I did not actually. I don't. Uh, well, I think what Booker was there. Booker um, was fourth. Booker was was Steph wasn't even in there. Nope, he was. I think eighth. Uh, Giannis was number two. Giannis was number three. Number three. Then I don't Giannis. know who number two was. Number and two Luka. was Embiid. Uh, no, nope, no, Luca was Luca was not there. He was not top four. Uh, oh, number it? one was Nikola Jokic, who won it from Denver. So Nikola right. Jokic won it. Joel Embiid got second. Giannis got third. Devin Booker got fourth. Chris, we have four teams left in the NBA playoffs. Uh, what None correlation do you think I'm trying to make between these four players and the four remaining teams? That the four MVPs are not in the playoffs. They are sitting at home watching this. Enjoying exactly. the playoffs. Right. Is there a disconnect between most valuable player and most in the player with the most gaudy stats? No, not even a little bit. Yeah, I I think there's a little bit of a breakdown. I think, in fact, I'm going to say it's the opposite. I'm going to say if a player wants to have team success, 
So he wants his team to do well. He wants his team to advance as far as it can and win in the playoffs, which is the goal here. Right. You actually should be sacrificing your stats to bring the others yes. along, make them better. Yes, you and your amazing God-given talent can take over in the last minute of a game. We get that. But you still should be sacrificing your stats to make the other players around you better. Because if you want postseason success, that's what's going to have to happen. So I did another analysis. I went to look at the past 10 winners uh, of the NBA championship. So let's go back okay. to um, uh, last year. With the Bucks, Who won last year? Who won the MVP? I'll just tell Giannis. you. No, no, not last year. No, it was, Jokic it was, won it. It was the same guy. It was the same Jokic. guy. Don it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Nikola Jokic won last year. Jokic, and who was yeah. in the finals? The no. Bucks and Phoenix. Right. What's what's the what's the uh, what's the takeaway there? Yeah, the, the winner did not make it. Uh, nope. Let's go. Let's go to the year before 2020. Who won the MVP? There was your boy Giannis. Giannis. Who was in the finals? The Lakers and the Heat. Yep. All right. Let's go to the year before that. Who won it? Giannis, Giannis won it in 2019. Who was in the finals? The Raptors and Golden State. Again, That's right. We the MVP the was not in the finals. 2018, you had Harden. Why anyone would give Harden oh my an gosh. MVP, I have no idea. But nonetheless, who was in the finals? You know it wasn't Harden. Golden nope. State beat it, Cleveland. Yep. All right, let's go back to 2017. Can who we pause it? for a second and just give we, James Harden the ASU shout-out, Go Devils? Okay. <laughs> is, is he, from, he is from ASU, isn't he? Yep, ASU. Tell him to get in shape. Him and Luca have probably been hanging out in the offseason at yep. Buffalo Wild Wings. Eating, go, yep. go get in shape, Harden. Now you're playing for one of my favorite teams, the uh, 76ers. I want okay. you in shape by next year. All right, right, let's go back a year before. 2017, you had Westbrook. Russell Westbrook won it. And who was in the finals? Golden State beat Cleveland. So you got what I'm saying here, right? The yeah. MVP is... Is he really the most valuable player, or is he the person with the most gaudy stats, a ball hog, which is the antithesis of having a team that's going to go far in the playoffs? Right. All right. There you go. You know, that is horrible. Set, match, whatever you want to say. I think there's a disconnect. And so I I don't know what the fix of that is, because I don't know how you get voters to actually evaluate what value does this person actually bring to the entirety of the team? Just stop looking at stats alone. Just know the true story is beyond the actual stats. All right, let's Always. conclude here with this thought, uh, Chris. I want your Mount Rushmore of the NBA. And so I have, I've made my Mount Rushmore. Do you have your Mount Rushmore? I do. I do. Top four players in history. Not because now I don't believe Mount Rushmore was made in any particular order. I don't think they said nope. that George Washington was nope, number no one. Order. So these don't have to be in order, but let me just give you my one and you okay. tell me who your one is. All right. I'm okay. going to have Michael Jordan as my first person. I'm going to put on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, what, what say you agree? I totally okay. agree. Absolutely. Here's what I think is hilarious. People who say, Oh no, it needs to be LeBron James. No, dude, no one who actually was alive and saw Michael Jordan play would say that James is a better player than Michael Jordan. Now, yes, it is true that Jordan had some issues with maybe gambling, and that's why he <laughs> took a couple years off. Alleged so that kind of hurt his career statistics, but still... He was an assassin on the court. No, he took over. He knew everything we talked about today. He knew how to get his teammates involved. He knew how to take over in the last minute. 
he was the complete package, and that's why he mm-hmm. was six and zero oh in the finals with six MVPs. He was the best. I think he's number one. You you agree? I agree. I also think you have to look at how the game was changed to fit a player, right? Okay. The game the game of basketball had to adjust because of Michael Jordan's skills. The game of basketball has not had to adjust because of LeBron James. LeBron James right. is, a, is a great all-around player. Don't get me wrong. He is he is a fantastic player. His stats show it. His ability to carry some teams have shown it. His championships show it. His MVPs show it. He's a great player. But the game of basketball has not fundamentally changed because LeBron James played the game. Right. A and good, I think, good point. And that, and, that, and that for me is where my list goes. How has the game of basketball been altered to better stop or enhance these players' abilities? All right. Interesting, interesting concept. Uh, my mm-hmm. number two is going to be Lou Alcindor, also known as Ooh, Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I read his um, biography way back in elementary school. He was one of my right. favorite players growing up, so I am a little bit clouded in my judgment there. But he dominated. His skyhook was unstoppable. He right. won titles. He won mm-hmm. MVPs. He was a go-to guy. He is the career leader in points, scored. He is a complete package. And he starred on Airplane, one of my favorite movies of all time. And so, what do you have Jabbar on your list? I, I flip flop between Jabbar and Magic because I all think right. I uh, going back to my theory. How did they fundamentally change the game? Um, uh, Luau and Kareem, as he was later known, um, created the center position. He's the big man in the middle. You had to get another big man on him, or you had to make sure he stayed out of the paint. All sorts of stuff to to hold back, hold back. And and Kareem paved the way for Shaq and Elijah Wan and Yao Ming and all these big centers to really, you know, Lonzo Mourning to all dominate in the NBA because now he essentially created that position. So I, I flip flop between Lou Alcindor and, uh, and uh, Magic Johnson, but I think the argument could be made for either of those two. All right. Well, you mentioned your number two, Magic Johnson. He also is on my list. Ooh. I think Magic is amazing because I, I now obviously he had the HIV diagnosis that cut his career yep. short, very short. But Bef- before that, here's why I think Magic was just amazing. Why he, I think he belongs on the Mount Rushmore, uh, the NBA's Mount Rushmore. He was unstoppable. In all five positions. It did not yes. matter what you needed. You needed a point guard. Boom. We got a 6.9 point guard. He's going to look over your guy. He's going to drain the three. He's going to take you to the hoop. It does not matter. He'll do the baby sky hook. This guy uh, was unstoppable as a point guard. You need a center, as they did in one NBA Finals. And uh, uh, Jabbar was injured. They had to put him at the center. He responded with the most gaudy stats ever and won that championship. So he was he was a dominant force. At all five positions. He was, I think, the first person to really dominate in all five positions. And But for him getting HIV, I think his stats would have been off the charts with the number of titles that he would have won. That was the only thing to stop him. He was an amazing player. And, of course, the Showtime Lakers. The most fun team to watch in the NBA. He was the leader of it. He ran it. It was all about magic. And so magic is on my, my, I see he's on your list, too. Yes, Magic is my number two. Uh, my number three is going to be Kobe. Kobe, all right. I, did I have Kobe on my list? I got Kobe on my list. It's the the 
and again, he fundamentally changed the game with his level, like his mentality of work, 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 work. Skill will take you so far. Work takes you to that next level. Kobe was always, always, always working, always working, always in the gym, always had the work ethic. You know, I, I, I'm not a Lakers fan and, you know, my my allegiance to Golden State and even to some level the Sacramento Kings like really hurts me to put Lakers on my Mount Rushmore. Right. But right. but looking past that, Kobe in in for me, because I you know, I, I grew up when Kobe was coming into the league and this is when I was in my adolescence in my twenties at sports bars and all that stuff. Kobe was was the guy to just hand, like there was never a off switch. It never seemed like Kobe ran out of steam and it was very reminiscent of watching Michael Jordan play. He never, you know, Kobe would put up 50 in the night and go put up 50 the next night and go put 50 the next night and triple yes. doubles. And he was also, you know, dishing it out. So Kobe, you know, his work ethic forced his teammates to be better as well. I like that. I like that. I do not have Kobe on my list, but to yep. your point, I will say this. They all said about Kobe, oh, he's the next Michael Jordan. In fact, I remember right. the All-Star game I watched where they basically had this handshake and the talk was this is the passing of the guard yeah. from one era to the next. It never happens when someone's, oh, he's the right. next no. Babe Ruth. He's the next all-time great. That person always fails. The expectations are just too high. Well, Kobe lived up to those expectations. In fact, I wonder if there was no Michael Jordan, would Kobe, would we not all be talking about how he was unquestionably the best player of all time? He was that good. I do not have him on my Mount Rushmore. Maybe I should. I have my fourth player is mm -hmm. LeBron James. And the only reason Ooh. why I have him on there is for, well, I, I'm not a LeBron James fan. Actually, I have been a LeBron James fan. I do not like his decision to leave Cleveland. Once he made that decision, I kind of went south on him because I, I am a huge uh, Royals fan. And I just thought, man, when, when George Brett, if George Brett had done that, held a press conference where, hey, am I going to stay with the Royals or am I going to go to the Yankees? And then in some kind of crass moment, he didn't put on a Yankees hat. It would have crushed me as a fan. That's what LeBron did to his Cleveland Cavaliers. And yes, so did. I didn't like that. I mean, if you're going to leave, just leave. Don't run your fan base through the ringer like you did. But nonetheless, he is an amazing basketball player. He's an amazing athlete. The longevity that he had, how he's been able to dominate for so long in a very physical role. It's not like he's, he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and has a sky hook where he can just kind of walk sure. out there and do a little sky hook. Hey, I'm seven foot two. And no one's going to touch this. And he has to dominate physically in the middle. And yeah, at age 37, he's starting to break down a little bit. Yeah. But man, is he a physical marvel. And so because of that, I he is going to be the career leader in points here eventually because of that his uh, physical condition, so I put him on my uh, my Mount Rushmore. Awesome. Who's your fourth? I, I would never put LeBron James anywhere near this mountain <laughs> ever. Right. Larry Bird. Larry Bird. I like I'm, Larry Bird. Okay, I'm putting Larry Bird up on there. Right during in a time where Magic was dominating all the the posts and Kareem was dominating the the center position. Larry Bird was a shooter like no other. When we You're talk right. about outside shooters and we talk about game IQ and we talk about assists, you start the conversation with Larry Bird. He's the right. bar. And then you go from there. Every after the Suns 
a horrific meltdown. Everybody was like, oh, Luca is the next Larry Bird or da-da-da-da-da. That's where you start. You start with Larry Bird and you work your way from there. And so by setting the example and setting the bar that high, um, Larry Bird's got to be on the mountain. There you go. You know what? You might have convinced me on that. Mm -hmm. I might swap out Larry Bird because I did see someone compare the stats of Larry Bird to LeBron James. And, yeah, Larry Bird's actually stats are better. Now, they're not as long. So, mm-hmm. he, but then again, I think you gotta be careful at, at comparing longevity because nowadays we know so much more about training, about injuries, right. about prevention of injuries, and right. so we know so much more about that now. The human so body, it, yeah, it makes sense that careers last a little bit longer now right. than it did back in the day. But yeah, Larry Bird was amazing as far mm-hmm. as a clutch shooter. And we're not talking yeah. about a Pete Marinovich who was an amazing shooter. We're talking oh, about someone Pete, yeah. who was clutch. And won titles with that right. clutchness. That yeah. is Larry Bird. He brought everyone, made everyone better on his team. Was not a ball hog, and uh, and uh, at least not to the extent right. that it hurt his fellow teammates. And they won several titles. All right, there you go. Hey, I got Chris, one more I, though. I got one. Yes. I got honorable mention, and and this player wasn't the best player that I've ever seen, but I think he deserves an honorable mention. Is Steve Kerr. He was a okay. position player. He played with the Bulls for years. He played. He supported Jordan. He played his position, transitioned into a coach, and he's been an amazing coach and turned around the Golden State Warriors organization. To be able to be both a player and then translate that into coaching <laughs> success is also something that we need to be brought in because you're not always going to be a player. So your basketball IQ has to be through the roof. If you can translate on-court success, being a position player, a background player to one of the greatest of all times, to being the coach of an arguably dynasty team takes a lot of basketball IQ, a lot of humility, and a lot of ability. Wow, that's not the most Homer comment I've ever heard during this <laughs> podcast. A shout out to Steve Kerr being right. on the NBA Mount Rushmore. Only on this podcast yep. will you hear that take. But nonetheless, I'm going to have to give you some credit for that. I do agree with you. I think he is an amazing coach. He right. also, I believe, played for Arizona in 1988. He I did. might be wrong on that, but he played against my KU Jayhawks in the Final Four. Yep. And, uh, yeah, actually, do you know what the result of that was? We KU. whipped you all up. Exactly. Danny Manning and the Miracles. Rock no, I Rock I do, I, do, I do like Steve Kerr. One other thought about that is you, you want to put Curry on there. Uh, Steph Curry, because I think at the end of the day, he also is going to revolutionize the sport because of his, I think before them, you really didn't see teams take three pointers on a regular basis from the atmosphere court. Right. Exactly. And that totally opens up the the court. It opens up the the court to uh, all kinds of, it's radically changed the game. And that's, that's Steph Curry's uh, impact because other players have done that. But they haven't won titles doing it. Well, Steph Curry is winning titles doing it. That yep. makes all the difference in the world. So it is a copycat league, and teams will try to copy that. Maybe they can't copy it. Maybe uh, Steve Kerr, just when he came to Golden State, it was just a perfect marriage of all right. sorts of player and coach and philosophy and things like that. But, hey, you know what? It's going to be a great week. You are going to go out camping. So, hey, have a fun time in nature hopefully you'll have some kind of connection you can watch the nba but we'll catch you next time have a great week see everybody
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri- Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.